Coming up on Judica County Radio, Josh Whitaker and Joe Hamer, managing partners at Whitaker and Hamer Law Firm, and the hosts of this program will get into all different areas of legalese, and they have three guest attorneys joining them on the program. Don't go anywhere. Judica County Radio, coming up next. Whitaker and Hamer presents Judica County with Joshua Whitaker and Joseph Hamer. Welcome into Judica County Radio. Your hosts, Josh Whitaker and Joe Hamer. They're the managing partners and practicing attorneys here in North Carolina. You can find them, of course, at Whitaker and Hamer Law Firm, your law firm for life. Offices conveniently located for you in Raleigh, Garner, Clayton, Goldsboro, Fuquay, Verena, Gastonia, and Moorhead City. I'm Morgan Patrick, consumer advocate. Each and every week, it's always legalese. Uh, this week, we'll have a number of different attorneys joining us on the program. We'll explain here in just a little bit. So if you've got a legal situation that you are facing and you've got questions, you can always call the firm Whitaker and Hamer, 800-659-1186. That's 800-659-1186. And leave your contact information, briefly what the call's about, and an attorney with Whitaker and Hamer will be in touch. And you can always email the show, info at judicacounty.com, and we will answer those questions on a future broadcast. But joining us, of course, our hosts are Josh Whitaker and Joe Hamer. Josh, take it away. Well, uh, Morgan, I appreciate the intro as always. It's good to be here with you. Joseph, how are you? I'm good, man. I was, I don't feel like he took it anywhere, man. You're supposed to take it away. <laughs> I feel like he stayed right in place, man. I was stretching, hoping I could get going and you, just, you, you called on me instantly. You're going to have to, uh, I'm sorry. I, uh, you know, I've been trying to, uh, we talk about this a lot on the show. I've been trying to eat better and, uh, at least lunchtime. Well, how's that going? Still- well, it had been going good, and today I forgot to prepare. So that's the thing. You get good, you get your body used to it, and then that one day you forget to bring something or make time to to get something that's that's healthier because a lot of it's not healthy. It's just healthier than what I was eating. No time, man. Lots of clients. Very busy day. Had to get get on the radio with you guys. Double quarter pounder value. Oh. That's what I had to do. Feel, it brought me down do- a notch. I've been doing a lot of research, man, and um. <laughs> You know, there's a lot of scientific evidence out there that eating healthy is is terrible for you. <laughs> and uh, it's actually, yeah, it's not good. So I was I was going through some old pictures uh, with my, well, not even old, it's was, it was 2024, I guess, but these were from 2022. I was going through some pictures and I looked a lot healthier, a lot younger. And this is like a year ago. Oh, I, I saw like, myself. I look- I saw myself the other day and I, it was, it was a bad experience, man. Well, this whole thing, this whole couple of months long experiment started because I used to see, you know, like I'm not, I don't think I'm a very vain guy, but social media, like I'd see a picture of myself and I'm like, okay, well, that's all right. You know, I'm good with that. That's that's the best I can do. Right. I'm I'm fine with that. And, and, and then like, I saw a picture of me, (laughs) I was like in public Uh, just doing something random. I was like in the corner of a picture. I was like, who is that? Is that me? (laughs) Now, wait a minute. Now now, I I want to defend you in a little bit. I haven't seen the picture, but a lot of times if you're in the corner or the end of a picture, it gets stretched. So I think it might be a little exaggerated. Maybe so. Maybe, maybe it's like the TV ads 10 pounds. I was like, there's like 10 angles that, that you look pretty good from, man. I can say (laughs) from a platonic place, but there's that one angle. Disgusting. Yeah. That one angle where it basically says, double quarter pounder value meal look man there was a time when i was younger there was a time in high school and college where i would eat fast food three times Every a day, day four times a day oh man there was a but, there was a time uh there was a time for me in college where i was pounding 
double croissant, which is soft <laughs> and cheese. Two of those bad boys to the face. Well, I mean, they gave it. They gave it to you for a buck fifty. You got to eat both of them, right? Oh, I, I eat both of them. You can believe I hope, that. I hope some someday, Joseph, you you get super duper popular, and 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 as a society, where we we want to recognize all the contributions that Joe Hamer made to society, and someone undertakes a Herculean effort to buy, you know, do your biography, and and. That phase, your double yeah. croissantwich yeah. phase gets like its own name, you know? Double, the double, double croissantwich phase. <laughs> They're so good, man. What is it about those things? They're so, and that's like, you hold the bag, you just get the bag out of the window and it like almost breaks your arm. It's so heavy, man. It's like pounds of food, it feels like. But uh, very good, man. Not very good for you. Not very good no. for you. That's what I came no, to find not. out as I turned into a literal balloon. <laughs> I'm getting back there again, man. I I saw myself the other day and I was like, what is, I didn't even think it was a person. I just thought it was a creature. Like I, it was a weird creature playing with my kids and it was me, man. I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to cause a, a rift between our two hosts, but Josh, you just said to Joe one day when you become memorable. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Joe, are yeah. you okay with that? Well, he likes to inspire me and he likes yeah, to right, push me, right. push By me insulting you. Man. And he knows, he knows. Yeah. The, uh, yeah. Yeah. So that's that's uh, that's something we'll have to we'll have to work on. We'll have to get to that to that level where we uh, we we get there. But um, I'm still in that phase of of understanding that every I need to do better and uh, getting real sad about it. But I haven't well, I haven't hit that point where I'm ready to do it yet. So I'm going to keep on trucking down the path. Well, Joseph, Joseph's a Joseph. He's a young man with his his uh, his entire future ahead of him. He's not old and washed up like we are, Morgan. That's true. That's a very good point, Josh. Thank you for insulting me too. Because apparently now I'm washed up. So good, good one. Josh is batting a thousand. Well, anyway, today's show, today's show is uh, we try to we're we're going to try to have a theme today, and our theme is using uh, your attorney, uh, which could be me and Joe Whitaker and Hamer could be your attorney, but using your attorney to plan. Uh, to keep your information private and to keep you out of court, to keep you out of litigation, to keep you out of uh, the clerk's office. And so what we did is uh, we've got a couple of attorneys lined up uh, and I talked to, I talked to the attorneys uh, earlier this week um, about using, using attorneys to plan. And so me and Joe, were going to start off this, this theme, you know, me and Joe have talked about a lot of different things over the past couple of months. And, and one, a lot of times we hear from listeners when we talk about keeping the government out of your business, right? Keeping the court system out of your, your business, keeping your business, um, your estate plan, your assets, uh, your personal affairs out of the public arena, out of the court, out of the clerk's office. And so that, that seems to be something that a lot of our listeners have some concern about uh, these days when privacy is kind of uh, not not as uh, not as uh, prioritized as maybe it, it once was with the advent of social media and what people are willing to share with the with the public versus what they used to be able to share. And so, Joe, um, I was going to kind of start off our, our theme talking about something me and you spend a lot of time with, and we spend a lot of time doing business planning. Um, so people coming in, running a business, buying a franchise, buying a business, um, and and just you know talking about what what has to be out there at the Secretary of State's office, right? Because that's where you set up most your your LLCs and your 
in your corporations and, and those kind of things, you start off by by setting up the shell of the entity over at the Secretary of State's office. Um, and, you know, there's certain information that has to be public and there's certain information that can be kept private in your incorporation agreement, your operating agreement, your your entity docs. And, and Joe, so that's kind of where I was going to start today, just talking about what has to be public in that arena and what, ha- what can be private. Yeah, that's a good topic, man. You know, and there's some things that you can't circumvent, you can't get around and make them completely private, but there's definitely strategies you can employ to make it very, very, very difficult for anybody to, uh, to, to get to the bottom of it and to, to breach that, the, the layer of privacy you could get if you do things the right way. Yeah. So if you organize an entity down at the secretary of state's office, you're going to have to give certain bits of information that will be public record. Right. And so, uh, we call those uh, your articles, right? If it's an LLC, it's articles of organization. If it's a corporation, it's articles of incorporation. But this document that you prepare, these articles, will have to have certain bits of information, uh, your name, you know, if you have a principal office, uh, a registered agent. A registered agent has no real corporate authority, but a registered agent's who would get served if you were, if your business was sued. There needs to be a person in North Carolina or a company in North Carolina who will accept service if your entity is going to be sued and that's public record. And then short of that, there's not much else that has to be out there on public record when you're getting an entity started. The rest of that information, who the owners are, who the shareholders are, who the members are, who the officers are, who the managers are, those are all what I would call internal documents, like your operating agreement, your incorporated, and that can be kept private. That's on a need to know basis. Your bank might need a copy of that to know who can access your accounts or, you know, certain customers that buy and sell with you may need to know that information, but the general public doesn't have to know that. And, and, and again, some people, you probably see this a lot, Joe, some people, you can layer entities, right? You're, you can have an LLC where the, the owning member is just another LLC and that's owned by a trust. And so you'll see see that. Yeah. yeah, You'll see a lot of people layer these entities for, uh, increased privacy. Now your legal fees go up, right? But oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, privacy yeah, goes more, way up. It's more work, but, but like you said, that's, that's kind of what I was getting at. You know, you're, you get these layers of insulation and, uh, and, and if privacy is paramount to you, that's something that, that you can definitely go to great lengths to protect. So it's definitely doable. So that, and that, again, that's just planning. That's just meeting with an attorney, right? If you go do this on one of the self-help websites, you may not get that kind of advice. You may not get that kind of insight. Uh, we'll talk to you about what you're, what you're working on and what you're trying to, to achieve. And maybe privacy is not a big, uh, maybe that's not very important to you in whatever endeavor you're trying to get started. And, and maybe for some people it's, it's the most important thing, depending on what the endeavor is and what business is, is being started. But again, just an example of, of, of planning, um, which you, you don't get in the self-help. Um, you don't normally get it. If you've met with a, an experienced attorney, you meet with an experienced attorney who's done some things, who's seen some stuff and, and you get that kind of, uh, you get that kind of planning and, and insight, which is what. I would argue you're, you're really paying an attorney for, but, um, but, but again, we're going to continue this conversation. What can be private? What has to be public? 
and, and, and ways to kind of keep your personal business, your personal business. All right. We're looking forward to that discussion coming up on the other side. You're listening to Judica County Radio. Your hosts are Josh Whitaker and Joe Hamer, managing partners, Whitaker and Hamer Law Firm, practicing attorneys here in North Carolina. Again, offices located in Raleigh, Garner, Clayton, Goldsboro, Fuquay, Verena, Gastonia, and in Moorhead City. If you've got a legal situation, need some questions answered, well, you can always call the firm. 800-659-1186. We'll get you in touch with Whitaker and Hamer. That's 800 800- 659-1186. Leave your contact information. Briefly what the call's about. An attorney with Whitaker and Hamer will be in touch. And you can email your questions to the show, info at judicacounty.com. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back into Judica County Radio. Your hosts are Josh Whitaker and Joe Hamer, managing partners, Whitaker and Hamer Law Firm. They're practicing attorneys here in North Carolina and offices located in Raleigh, Garner, Clayton, Goldsboro, Fuquay, Verena, Gastonia, and in Moorhead City. We've got a real treat. We've got attorneys uh, from different areas of Whitaker and Hamer's practice joining us on the program today. Josh, who do we have up first? Up first is going to be one of our associates, attorney Taylor Scruggs-Smith. She spends most of her uh, professional life dealing with what we would call family law matters, divorce, separation, prenuptial agreements, custody. And today in our conversation uh, with Taylor, we focused on separation. You know, what is separation in North Carolina? A lot of states don't have that provision um, in their divorce proceedings. So we talked about separation what you can negotiate to keep private, what 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 becomes public information and when. But again, staying on this theme of how you can plan uh, to keep things more personal, more private uh, w- with your attorney. So that's 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 where we took this conversation. As always, we're answering listener questions, um, questions that our listeners have, have written in about or asked us in, in person or clients that we deal with. And uh, Taylor is one of our family law attorneys here at the law firm of Whitaker and Hamer, and she joins us often to answer family law questions. And so the question that I get a bunch, Taylor, uh, we in North Carolina, we're very lucky. Our economy does very well. We have people moving in from all across the country, a lot of people from New York, a lot of people from California, Texas. People are moving here from states where if you decide that you and your spouse are going to get separated, separation is not a, as big of a deal as, as it is in North Carolina, because in North Carolina, obviously, you're required to be separated for a certain amount of time before you can you can get your divorce uh, judgment or your divorce entered. And a lot of people, this is a foreign concept, is having to be separated for a year uh, doesn't jive with the way it was where, where they came from. So that's what I want to talk to you about. And so first, just tell me a little bit about the separation period. What is it? Why is it there? That's the first question. All right. So um, separation is essentially the time that you and your spouse are living. The statute specifically calls it living separate and apart. So one of the things I get asked all the time is, okay, does that mean I can live in the apartment that's in the garage or the apartment in the basement and he stays in the main house or in their in the master bedroom, you can't do that. You have to actually be living separate and apart. If you guys still hold the same address, the court's not gonna think that you guys are separated um, or that you were separated for the whole time. Um, I usually tell people, you guys need to have separate addresses. 
y'all, you need to have a bank account in your own name. Like if mail gets delivered to you, it shouldn't be something he can pick up. Um, things like that, because the court is very particular about you have to be living separate and apart. Um, so this separation period, I think the court was pretty heavy on, well, not the court, but legislator was really heavy on trying to make people think through, did they actually want to get divorced and giving them enough time to potentially let cooler heads prevail and settle issues of finances before you ever got to the time that you could file. Um, during the separation period, you can file for alimony, equal distribution, things like that. You just can't file for divorce until you've been separated for a year and a day. If you go to court, you always hear an attorney say a year and a day because you can't sign your paperwork <laughs> on that exact year anniversary. Us attorneys will try to push you back a couple of days because judges will kick it out if it's on the exact anniversary. Well, and that's the, the so the separation period ends up being a big deal because a lot of folks, especially in, in in the economy here over the past couple of years, actually separating and creating two households is, is a is a is a big big time expense. And, you know, a lot of folks are in a situation where, you know, uh, paying the bills in like a shared household was a struggle. And if you're looking at separating and, and creating two households to be separate for that year period, uh, certainly that's a it's it's tough on, on a right. lot of a lot of folks and a lot of potential clients. But there's not a lot of workarounds, it doesn't sound like. No, there's not a lot of workarounds. I get asked often, well, if this is going on, can't that get sped up? Or if there's a DVPO, can I not have to wait a year? Or if there's an affair, can I not have to wait a year? There is no workaround for that year-long separation. It doesn't matter what's going on. I have to, as an attorney, wait a year for you to be separated until I can file your divorce. Um, what you end up seeing happen is that if finances are a struggle, and you see people where finances are a huge struggle already. So trying to split into two different households is astronomical. Um, but one thing you do is you see some people who try to negotiate some type of agreement while they're still living together, because you can say, this is gonna be our anticipated separation date, which is the date whoever somebody moves out, but go ahead and start figuring out the finances and how you know, you may decide to split the house or retirement accounts, things like that. Um, sometimes you see people move in with family for a couple of months until they can, just so they're out the house and they can at least start the separation period. Because um, the longer you're in your house, the longer the separation period. And uh, the date of separation is not important just for how long you got to wait to get divorced. Data separation can determine, you know, what values we're looking at in terms of property and your retirement accounts and things like that. So, so the separation period is important in North Carolina, but it, the date that you start the separation is, is also important. Um, so assuming that you, you can separate, like assuming you can afford to do it and you guys have you know, two different addresses and, and you create two separate households from that start date, there, there's going to be a year that goes by. Uh, before you can get to the divorce, before you can get to alimony, before you can get to, you know, that kind of stuff. But in the interim, what can you do? We always talk about on the show, you know, attorneys, we try to plan so that you, you don't have to have a lot of information out in the public, right? You can settle what you can settle, whether it's family law or state administration or state probate, take care of the things you can take care of without having to go to court, without having to have a file open downtown at the clerk's office. Uh, right. So what are some of the things that you can agree to once you're separated? 
So um, after separation, um, before divorce. After separation, before divorce, there's a lot of things you can agree to. You can actually file for alimony, equitable distribution, child custody, and child support as soon as your date of separation starts. You don't have to wait till you've been separated for a year to file for those claims. And I think that's a common misconception is people think they have to wait a year to file for alimony. Um, but the things that you can handle in a separation agreement are those same concepts. You can put in child custody into a separation agreement. You can put in child support. You can put in any type of alimony or post-separation support. You can put in equitable distribution, which is usually referring to how you're splitting retirement accounts, personal property like the couches and the kitchen cookware, um, you know, the house itself. Um, all that can go into a separation agreement, but let's say you can't get all of that into a separation agreement because you can't agree to everything. Okay, take out the few parts you can't agree to and settle everything else um, so that you at least have some progress on the situation and not every issue is held out to be resolved. Um, but yeah, there's a lot you can do in a separation agreement. The big thing is always when it comes to the kids, you can have an agreement, the court's still gonna have jurisdiction in terms of if somebody wants to file for child custody later, as long as the kids are under 18, they can still take it before the court, even if you have an agreement that says, this is how we're gonna do custody. And that's just because best interest of the child. Court always wants to be able to protect the kids. So short of child custody, you can really deal, again, a lot of times this time of separation is, is, is you know, it's very emotional period, right? So you're not always dealing with folks who, obviously there's been something that's happened where you can no longer uh, cohabitate and um, you might not get along the best, but assuming there is uh, a will to get things done, you can, sounds like you really negotiate a lot of stuff, even though you're not divorced yet, kind of right out of the gate, right at that separation date. Correct. So you can actually negotiate a lot of stuff and in a certain sense, the court encourages you to negotiate. Um, for instance, when you file for equitable distribution, at some point, the court expects that you're either going to mediation or you're filing something saying why you don't think mediation will work. Um, but the court encourages mediation. So they're not going to come tear up your deal because they don't like it. They're, you say that there's been a deal outside of court, court's moving on. <laughs> yeah. So they're only going to focus on the issues that are brought before them. So I, I typically tell people like, you know, if you can get something settled, go ahead because you're going to be more willing to go through with something that you had a hand in making versus something a judge told you you had to do. Yeah. And, and a lot of times we're doing, when we're doing our planning with our clients, and again, this could be uh, civil litigation, you know, estate planning, estate administration, family law. Part of our planning process is, you know, what can we handle privately, right? It doesn't have to be in a court file down at the courthouse that a clerk, like I said, a judge's order, a judge, you never know. We think what we know judges are inclined to do, but we can never predict what a judge will or, or won't do or won't put in an order or, uh, you know, there's just some unpredictability there. And especially me living in the business law sphere so much is I want to be able to handle and take care of everything that I can take care of. It doesn't always work in that sphere either, but, um, well, good. I think that's a good answer. I, I get asked that all the time about uh, the separation period in North Carolina. Cause some people, just feel like they should be able to get divorced in a week and maybe they should be able to maybe there's an argument that we North Carolina we've outlived the usefulness of the separation period but until the legislature changed it changes it 
that's, that's where we are. Yeah, and I get asked that all the time too. People trying to find workarounds, ways, and there's no workaround. Yeah. The whole yeah. year, year and a day. That's it. That's all I can do. All right, Taylor. Well, I appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye. And that's Taylor Scruggs-Smith, fellow attorney at Whitaker and Hamer, joining Josh Whitaker. And again, family law, the focus. We're going to continue with more discussion coming up on the other side. Who's up next, Josh? Morgan, up next is uh, attorney Ashley Penner, who is going to speak to us a little bit about estate planning and trust. There you go. And coming up, we just want to remind you, too, if you've got a legal situation you're facing, you can always get in touch with Whitaker and Hamer Law Firm, the power behind this program. Their phone number is 800-659-1186. That's 800-659-1186. Leave your contact information. Briefly what the call is about. And an attorney with Whitaker and Hamer will be in touch. And you can always email your questions to the show. We'll answer them on a future broadcast. Info at judicacounty.com. That's right. More Judica County coming up on the other side. Welcome back into Judica County Radio. Your hosts, Josh Whitaker and Joe Hamer, managing partners, Whitaker and Hamer Law Firm. Offices located conveniently for you in Raleigh, Garner, Clayton, Goldsboro, Fuquay, Verena, Gastonia, and in Moorhead City. Whitaker and Hamer, your law firm for life. I'm Morgan Patrick, consumer advocate. Josh, we are again having some of your all-star attorneys joining us on the program. Who's up next? Up next, we have attorney Ashley Penner. She is with our firm, has been with our firm for a long time, handles estate planning and trust. Today, our theme has kind of been talking about how you can use your attorney uh, to kind of do some planning. We've talked about business planning. We've talked about family law planning. Uh, with Ashley, we're going to talk about estate planning and, uh, and, and later on in the show, talk about well, what happens if you don't do estate planning. What's, what becomes purview of the court, public information, what do you have to deal with? Uh, if you if you don't do your your planning, and so Ashley, in that vein, I know one of the things I wanted to talk to you about today. One of the things I wanted to ask you about is this planning process, you know, and and what you can do to to keep your information private, to keep your stuff out of the purview of the court. None of us ever want to have to rely on a, a clerk's order or a judge's order or uh, get our uh, assets caught up in, 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 a, in an estate probate or an estate contest or, or something like that. And, and people in that vein, you know, we're going to talk about, you know, your estate planning, a, a will, which I think everybody's pretty familiar with what a will is and what a will can do. That doesn't get you out of probate versus a, a trust, which a carefully crafted and managed and a monicured trust would, would keep you out of possibly probate. So that's where I'll start it with you, kind of the advantages of, uh, uh, you know, what is a trust and kind of the advantages of a trust? Yeah, the trust is a legal document that, of course, you would create as a part of the estate planning process. It can hold assets during your lifetime and then speak to or control what happens to those assets, how they're distributed or how they're held in trust, 
who they can benefit after your death. Um, and, and it's the ability of the trust to hold those assets while you're still living that gives you that probate avoidance. They've already been transferred into this, this legal entity, so to speak, that you've created. You've already designated someone who we call the trustee that's going to be in control of the assets after your death. And it streamlines that process so that you do avoid the probate process or administration process where a clerk is involved in making sure that what you've said in your will is honored in the in the administration. So when I was when I was growing up, I think the first I was trying to think about earlier today the first time that I ever heard anybody talk about a trust. And and I think the first two times that I can remember hearing anybody talk about a trust was um oh man, who was the rich guy on um Gilligan's Island? Oh who was his Mr. name? Howell. Mr. Howell. Mr. And Mrs. Howell, yeah. And or Beverly Hillbillies. <laughs> Beverly Hillbillies a couple of times. But yeah. but and maybe that's why I think about trust and I think about they're just for the rich people. You know, they're just for people with like tons of assets and and uh and and, and that's really not the case. No, yeah. I definitely uh, grew up thinking the same thing. Anytime I heard them, of course, no one no one in my family ever had a trust, nor, <laughs> nor have I ever been the beneficiary of a trust. So um, most of my my actual knowledge of it comes from law school, like like most of us probably. But um, it is certainly not reserved for folks, you know, that, that have massive amounts of wealth. I tell a lot of my clients, you know, if if the only thing you end up using your your trust for is to hold your real estate, you have done yourself and your family a significant service. Um, because again, it's going to really trim up what they have to do and how quickly they can do what they need to do, depending on what that is. So yeah, I, I've always heard this rule of thumb of, you know, $5 million, you know, should have roughly $5 million in assets before you should even think about or worry with or bother with a trust. And yeah, not the case. It, it has so much benefit to so many different folks. You, you know, and, and it, it's it's kind of one of your biggest estate planning tools and, and you know a trust is basically i think of it as uh you know it's kind of like starting a, a business right you start an llc you start a corporation you're starting the the law sees that as its own you know entity its own its own thing and, and so I'll, I'll talk to people a lot about probate assets and non-probate assets but the trust is like a magic bucket that you can put things in and it yeah. you know a trust will not trust isn't going to die yep. uh it may terminate on its own can only go on for so many years, but in theory, it's going to outlive you. And, and that's the convenience of it. It's like a, it's just kind of oversimplifying and maybe kind of dumb, but I like it as a metaphor, but it's like you put stuff in this bucket and this bucket automatically goes to your heirs. Yeah. Right? No, no one looks in the bucket. No one's going to ask you questions about the bucket. You've got some basic asset protection. If someone was going to sue or, or challenge the way you're distributing your, your things. So it's like this magic vehicle and there's tax advantages and there's other advantages too, but it's this magic vehicle to get stuff to your heirs easily. And, you know, you think about it, if you, if, if you've got a house with equity and you've got vehicles and you've got your 401k and you've got your investment accounts, we may not think of ourselves as, as having a lot of assets, the average American who might be looking at this, but you've got a lot of assets to protect. Certainly. If you, you know, we might have a different, stance on that if you're being sued and you start looking at what 
could become subject to a judgment in the, you know, in the event that one is in place, yes, then you absolutely have a lot of assets. Um, and then, you know, something you mentioned, I, I think that is also good to point out with the trust is it, it has so much flexibility because it is that, you know, that existing entity. Um, it can undergo changes, you know, a little bit more easily than if you're changing how your will distributes your property. Um, there is a lot more rigor involved in the signing of a will than in the signing of a trust, um, but also the privacy that it brings with it. The fact that, yeah, no one's going to be delving around into that document and no clerk is going to be looking over the shoulder of the trustee to make sure that, you know, they've they've adhered to adhered to the rules in the trust. Um, it has the privacy that, that a lot of folks want in keeping all of their business out of court filings. I guess there's certain things we're talking about trust and I've talked to them as magical about being magical and things like that. There's things trust don't do that you need your other estate planning documents to do. So uh, one of the things that you've pointed out to me before is, well, you know, if you have a good trust, your will is what we call a pour over will, right? Where the will is just saying, hey, anything that I haven't managed to get into my trust, please give it to my trust. Um, and so that's a pour over will, but there's, there's other things that will can do for you. And, and actually you always point out to me, Guardian, I always overlook guardianship, you know, and so that's an important one to uh Yeah, guardianship for your children. minor children, yeah. right? Yeah, making sure that anyone who's under the age of 18 has, that you've been in control of saying who they should be with, who should be caring for them. Um, if, if you don't have a will, right, you're leaving it up to the courts to determine to with whom they should be placed. And also, you know, sometimes, uh, unfortunately, there might be people who you, as much as you want other folks to be the guardian of your children, there are folks you don't want to be guardian of your children. And the will is a place where we can make that known as well. If you don't leave a document behind that addresses that at all, it could be the person that you ultimately did not want to be guardian of your children who goes and applies for that guardianship. And now they are being raised by someone that, you know, in your mind would have never, your children would never live with. So, a trust is certainly a very important estate planning and, and can be kind of the primary estate planning vehicle, but it can't do everything that we need. So um, I, I tell a lot of my clients, you might have a will and not have a trust, but if you have a trust, you should still absolutely have a will because aside from addressing guardianship, let's say you don't have minor children anymore. Um, you go out and you acquire assets. Let's say you've you've gotten this trust prepared and you're working on getting everything transferred into it and then something happens. Sudden death and, and you don't get a chance to continue in your, your funding of this trust mission, you've still got a valid will that's going to get everything there. Yeah, I talk to a lot of clients who 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 definitely think it's an either or situation. Like, well, I've already got my trust or I've already got my will, but you really need both of them. And the will handles some things you can't handle with the trust and is also kind of a, a fail safe there. So that that does come up. Um, I know there's other ways. We're talking about the trust being this magic bucket, which can make otherwise a, a probate asset, an asset that would have to go through probate, non-probate, private. Uh, but there's other ways to make probate assets non-probate. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it, you might have things like bank accounts, life insurance, retirement plans. And on all of these assets, you know, we, we counsel our clients, you 
want to make sure you have beneficiaries designated, a primary beneficiary and a contingent. And maybe, you know, if you're a married couple with children and you have this trust, you're going to name your spouse as the primary beneficiary, but then you name the trust as the contingent beneficiary. But even on things like bank accounts, you can name a payable on death or transferable on death beneficiary. And these are ways that you can ensure that those assets avoid that probate process. There's not going to be a, a, a significant delay in being able to access those funds. Of course, you'd have to have a death certificate. We don't want people, our, our designated beneficiaries, being able to show up at the bank and say, hey, she died. Can I have her money? Right. We want them to, to show that proof through death certificate. But that's going to be a much shorter process than going to the clerk's office and setting up that estate, that probate estate, and then transferring the, the account into an estate account and then documenting for the clerk what funds were in that account um, that, that, that's going to hold up things. And particularly if we have a situation where, you know, parents are lost and there are children that, you know, will have needs that need to be tended to, it'll allow for much less disruption in the, the basic maintenance and care for those, those minor children. Yeah. Well, actually, I think that's, uh, I think that's a good discussion today, kind of on this, this uh, using your attorney to plan things out for you to make your life easier, to keep data litigation, to keep you out of the court, keep you out of the clerk's office. Um, so I appreciate that. You know, the first step in estate planning is to is to give us a call. Um, if you call Whitaker and Hamer, if you call our law firm and you want to talk about estate planning, you're going to end up talking to Ashley. And that's for good reason. She handles many, many, many of these every month. Um, and she's a, she's a good place to start. And uh, we'd be happy to help you with that. But um, Ashley, I know we'll talk about this again. So we'll we'll see you before too long. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. That's Ashley Penner. Again, estate planning with Whitaker and Hamer. We are again visiting with the all-star team of attorneys at Whitaker and Hamer, hosted by Josh Whitaker and Joe Hamer. Uh, again, hitting a lot of different questions that the firm gets quite a bit of. And folks, if you've got any situation you're facing and you need answers to those questions, you can always call Whitaker and Hamer, 800-659-1186. That's 800-659-1186. Leave your contact information briefly what the call is about, and an attorney with Whitaker and Hamer will be in touch. And you can email your questions to the show. We'll answer them on a future broadcast, info at judicacounty.com. When we return on Judica County Radio, yes, we have another attorney, and she's very familiar. Cassandra Nicholas joins us. It's about estate planning. Uh, we're looking forward to this discussion. Again, that's coming up on the other side. Welcome back into Judica County Radio, hosted by Josh Whitaker and Joe Hamer. And the power behind this program, where you can find Josh and Joe, they're the managing partners at Whitaker and Hamer Law Firm. They're practicing attorneys here in the great state of North Carolina. They have offices located in Raleigh, Garner, Clayton, Goldsboro, Fuquay, Verena, Gastonia, and in Moorhead City. If you've got a legal situation you're facing, you've got questions, you need some answers, you can always call Whitaker and Hamer, 800 659 1186. That's 800-659-1186. Leave your contact information briefly, what the call's about, and an attorney with Whitaker and Hamer will be in touch. And as always, you can email your questions to the show, info at judicacounty.com. We'll answer them on a future program. So we have another attorney uh, joining us on the program. Josh, who we got? 
All right. So if you're a, if you've been a, a regular listener of, of our show, you know and are already familiar with Cassandra Nicholas, but she is our attorney stationed out of the Moorhead City office who deals with estate administration and probate across the state of North Carolina. But we bring Cassandra on to talk to us about a lot of different things. Uh, today, Cassandra is here to talk about state administration, uh, probate. Uh, you know, those, those words kind of go together, but basically you're dead and someone, hopefully someone you've named and planned is taking care of your affairs, taking care of your estate, taking care of your assets because you're no longer here. And me and Joseph, we spend a lot of time talking about um, planning ahead of time, using, you know, using your attorney to plan ahead of time to avoid uh, probate, right? We're going to try to avoid the whole process to the extent that we can to try to keep your information private, keep uh, your heirs or your fiduciaries from having to go downtown and deal with a clerk, deal with a deal with a judge, um, keep things moving along. Um, and Cassandra, in that in that vein, uh, I was going to talk to you kind of about what estate administration looks like when you when you can't avoid it, right? So you're you're usually only involved if if we can't avoid. Um, and we just spent some time talking with Ashley about trust and and planning to kind of keep things out of of, of probate. Uh, but let's just say you you don't do anything, you never plan, um, and you you die. What's that going to look like? So absolutely want to uh, funnel people to Ashley. If you're not already in a situation where you need estate administration, please do your estate planning. Trusts are an excellent tool to be able to avoid estate administration entirely. Um, if you're not using a trust or not causing assets to be automatically transferred to um, your intended recipients by some other means, either as naming them as beneficiaries on specific assets, um, pay on death beneficiaries on bank accounts, putting folks on vehicles with you as joint with right of survivorship so that those automatically transfer just as a a function of generally a contract. Mm -hmm. Uh, If that's not the case, then there are two camps when you get to me Uh, for estate administration. There are folks who did estate planning and have a will and everything, but still need estate administration because there are assets that did not automatically transfer by some other means. So you can die testate with a will um, with assets that the clerk needs to assign a ward to your um, intended recipients or you get stuck with the state's default rules and that's dying intestate without a will. Um, and there's, there's nothing inherently wrong with that. The lawmakers did think, you know, long and hard about how to come up with the schemes of intestacy and how um, heirs would inherit. But those default rules aren't necessarily what everyone wants. And understanding what those default rules are is important in your estate planning or in um, in considering what happens. A lot of folks don't realize, they think if, if they are married to someone, that the default rule must be that their spouse gets everything when they pass. But that's not the case. The intestacy statute if you have a spouse and children, um, your your assets are split between your spouse and children. So 
if you want your spouse to have everything and you don't want it to be split with your children automatically, you want your spouse to have, um, you know, the authority to do what they want with those assets, that needs to be done through estate planning rather than allowing just the default rules to exist. Yeah, it's one of those it's one of those nightmare situations that that we we unfortunately see. You know, everybody everybody thinks depends on how old you are, how you know, I'm in my late forties now, so I surely I'll make it to my seventies, right? And 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 people in their sixties, surely I'll make it to I my hope 80s. you do. I be thank you, me too. But but you always think you've got more time and, and maybe you hopefully you do. Uh but we run in that situation where someone dies way too early, you know. So we yeah. We've got the situations where the 40-year-old father of three has a heart attack and passes away, you know, and hasn't done any estate planning because that's that's young. Estate planning is hard to think about. And, um, yeah, like you said, like, uh, you know, if, if the house isn't owned correctly, you know, we've had a situation where a spouse has inherited with underage kids mm-hmm. and trying to get that house sold or dealt with when one of the owners is your four-year-old son is challenging to say the least right oh absolutely because then we're also dealing with not just the the intestacy not just the estate administration you also then need to deal with a guardianship in order to um the the courts are interested in protecting the assets of minors so a parent can't just automatically make decisions about real estate that a minor inherited for them you need to have permission from the courts to do so. And, you know, that that is a lot of work, time, attorney expense, court fee expenses, um, mandatory hearings for guardianships to get a guardian assigned. So especially when there are minor children involved, it's it's important to do the estate planning on the front end because um, we are here and we're happy to help with all of those but we want people to be aware that it's definitely going to be added time and expense um, when you haven't avoided those on the front end. You know, and it's just like anything else. You know, we've talked, me and Joe have talked today about business planning. You know, you can do a lot of planning with your operating agreement, with your business assets, so that when someone passes away or when there's a disagreement with a partner, you've already kind of planned out what's going to happen. And it doesn't necessarily have to become something that's litigated. Right. Mm-hmm. Our big theme today is things that the courts have to be involved with, things that have to be public versus things that you can keep private and plan around. And so we've talked about that as, uh, you know, in business planning. We've talked about Taylor. We've talked about family law planning. If you know, you know, prenups, separations, agreements, um, planning before separation. There's a lot of stuff you can plan and agree to and keep private uh, rather than putting it on display in the, in the kind of public arena. And, uh, you know, we've talked to Ashley about estate planning to try to avoid uh, probate. But but here, you know, our example, our 42-year-old who passed away way, way, way too early without any notice, uh, he left his family with a lot of trouble um, because he, he hadn't planned. And that's no knock against him. Um, that's the way these things go. But to the extent that you can stop what you're doing and, and think about it, you know, when I was growing up, I felt like trusts were for rich people, right? Rich people had had trust, uh, but that but that's not the case. And I know we also help people administer trust. A lot of folks will create a trust and not have a a son or a daughter or a spouse who can who can run the trust, administer the trust. So we will do that a lot for folks too. Um, 
But I was going to ask you, Cassandra, in, the, in, the, in this public versus private discussion that we're having, if you have to, if you're passed away and your, your heirs have to go open an estate for you, whether there's a will or not, so they have to just do some estate administration, what kind of information is public at that point? So estate administration files, um, the entire file is public. So um, some of the counties have e-filing now. So a lot of this is also available just click of the button on anyone's browser. Um, so your heirs, whoever, whoever your heirs are through intestacy, um, their ages, their addresses, what your assets are, um, and the exact value of each asset, um, what your debts are, the claims against the estate. So it's, it's a lot of information that's public even um, down to the bank account statements, the um, the account numbers are redacted. And on the online filings, you can't pull those bank statements, but in the physical file, which is public, those are accessible as well. So yeah, so, so yeah, there's a lot out there. I saw, um, I'm a big, uh, big wrestling fan, you know, but somebody wrote oh, a no. book, <laughs> somebody wrote a book about Ric Flair. And it was like, it was supposed to be like a biography of Ric Flair. And they did it just, everything was just based on files they could pull in the Mecklenburg County courthouse. So yeah, any estate that he was a, a beneficiary of, uh, divorces, guardianships, uh, any kind of civil lawsuit, it's all public record. And the guy wrote an entire book just based on what he could get off the public record. So it's... Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and then, so I'm happy to keep talking about what's public or not public, but I'd also like to jump back to your example of a 42-year-old man who's passed unexpectedly with some debts. There are some tools at our disposal as, um, or at anyone's disposal in filing estate administrations if the person has a spouse or um, children under 18, there are ways to protect um, a spouse or minor children from creditors up to a certain extent. So it depends on what assets exist, what debts exist. But through a spousal allowance, um, a spouse can be assigned the first 60000 Currently, it's 60000 of personal property. And that's able to be protected from most types of creditors. There are certain types of creditors, such as um, medical creditors, that can get at a spouse regardless of a spousal allowance being filed. So there are certain types of debts that a spouse takes on um, no matter what, essentially. No, it's, um, you know, and, and, and again, if all this property was in trust, if all this property was positioned in such a way where it did not become an asset of, a, of an estate, you know, that, that really helps. It really helps in everything that we've been talking about. It really helps keep it, you know, um, your, your, your heirs are going to move easy. Your family is going to just move, you know, it's a tough situation, but they'll be able to continue on without the angst of having to deal with what you deal with every day. <laughs> yeah, we're here to deal with that angst for you. Um, but that, that is something even for my clients that they, they know their estate administration is happening. It's not completely out of their minds, unfortunately, until it's closed. Um, and some of the clerks and courts 
run a ways behind. Some of this can can take a while, even with, um, you know, good attorneys in your corner helping you through the process. So to, <laughs> we're we're here to help, but to be <laughs> impossible. Well, Cassandra, it was good to talk to you today. I always appreciate you joining us and. Uh, Thank you. Cassandra Nicholas, fellow attorney at Whitaker and Hamer Law Firm, joining us on the program at State Administration. Again, talking about the different levels of law there. Josh Whitaker and Joe Hamer are your managing partners at Whitaker and Hamer Law Firm. And of course, uh, they are the hosts of this show and the power behind the program is Whitaker and Hamer Law Firm. We are going to take a short break, come back on the other side and wrap this up. Now, if you've got a legal situation that you're facing, remember, you can always call Whitaker and Hamer. They've got offices conveniently located for you in Raleigh, Garner, Clayton, Goldsboro, Fuquay, Verena, Gastonia, and in Moorhead City, where you can find Cassandra Nicholas. The number to call is 800-659-1186. That's 800-659-1186. Leave your contact information and briefly what the call's about, and an attorney will return that call from Whitaker and Hamer. And you can always email your questions to the show, info at judicacounty.com. That's info at judicacounty.com, and we will answer those questions on a future broadcast. We'll wrap up more Judica County coming up. Welcome back in for our final segment of Judica County Radio. Your hosts, Josh Whitaker and Joe Hamer, managing partners, Whitaker and Hamer Law Firm. Offices located right here in Raleigh. Also, Garner, Clayton, Goldsboro, Fuquay, Verena, Gastonia, and in Moorhead City. Both Josh and Joe, practicing attorneys here in North Carolina. And remember, Whitaker and Hamer, your law firm for life. I'm Morgan Patrick, consumer advocate. We have been going back and forth. And again, great interviews with your attorneys from Whitaker and Hamer. But Josh, I want you and Joe to kind of wrap us up today. I hope everybody to the to the extent possible. Yeah, I know, I know sometimes on the when we're trying to give folks information because that's the point of of me and Joe and, and Morgan sitting down today is to try to give you information, legal information, legal you know information that you can use uh, maybe in your personal life or kind of give you a heads up on 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 things. And so you know with with Taylor, you know we talked about family law and how you can plan uh, before you get married with a prenup or, uh, you know, why you're married with a post nuptial agreement, or if you're getting separated, a, a separation agreement, you know, you can contract to keep a lot of these details private. And then we talked to Ashley about some estate planning things that, that you can do to keep things in a trust, keep things private between family, keep things moving along after your, after your death. And then Cassandra did a really good job kind of painting the picture of what it looks like when you, when you pass away, you know, just, uh, what, what, information's out there, what your heirs have to do, you know, work with the clerk, God forbid, you know, it, you know, it's not usually good news when a judge gets involved with an estate, but there can be a judge involved with an estate. So, you know, with careful planning, a lot of things can be kept private and a lot of things can uh, move along uh, without needing to make a trip down to the courthouse. And so that was kind of the the running theme that we had today, Joseph. Yes, it was. It was a good theme, man. I liked it. I like <laughs> switching it up, bringing other. I like not having to hear myself talk a lot, you know, <laughs> switching figured, up the perspective. I like hearing you talk yeah. a lot, but uh, right. the more, right. the more of the, I like getting our attorneys out there too, man. We got some good folks. I was going to say that was going to be my comment. I mean, the talent that you have at Whitaker and Hamer, uh, I love hearing from the different attorneys. I mean, you, 
as hosts of this show, we get to hear Josh and Joe, uh, you know, on a weekly basis. But hearing the other attorneys, I mean, you guys are it's like an all star team. It's pretty cool. I was going to say the same thing, man. It is an all star team for sure. Yeah, our, our 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 roster of attorneys is one that I'm very I'm very proud of uh, the product that we're we're able to put out, and I'm very proud of the work that our attorneys are able to do. And when when people come to us, they may come to us for one thing, they may come to us for a real estate closing, or they may come to us because they want us to handle their divorce or, or do their business planning or they're being sued and they need some civil litigation defense or a, a traffic ticket. But really, that's how the firm is set up. The firm is set up that for most people, we can handle, our attorneys can handle, you know, most everything that you're going to encounter. Uh, and, and we have, you know, the firm's been around since since we founded it back in, in 2004. And uh, we've got a lot of clients that we've had since 2004, you know, and, and now we're helping their, their kids are coming of age and need some things done. And, and so we've been very fortunate to kind of be around being a lot of the same communities for a good amount of time. Our attorneys have been with us for a long time. We don't have a lot of turnover in the attorney department. And so from staff, staff up to, to partners like me and Joe, uh, we're, I think pound for pound, we're one of the better law firms here in North Carolina. 20 years. That's fantastic. And again, uh, just a great roster of attorneys uh, covering so many different areas. If you've got a legal situation that you're facing and you've got some questions, you can always call Whitaker and Hamer, the power behind Judica County Radio. The number to call is 800-659-1186. That's 800-659-1186. Leave your contact information, briefly what the call's about, and an attorney, the part of that all-star team, will be giving you a call to answer those questions. You can also email your questions to the show info at judicacounty.com well josh joe another great show we will see you on the radio next week Judica County is hosted by attorneys licensed to practice law in North Carolina. Some of the guests appearing on this podcast may be licensed North Carolina attorneys. Discussion on this podcast is meant to be general in nature and in no way should the discussion be interpreted as legal advice. Legal advice can only be rendered once an attorney licensed in the state in which you live has the opportunity to discuss the facts of your case with you. The attorneys appearing on this podcast are speaking in generalities about the law in North Carolina and how these laws affect the average North Carolinian. If you have any questions about the content of this show, you can direct such inquiry to Joshua Whitaker at jmw at mwhlaw.lawyer.